Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Just a minute. Let me get my piano going. Let me get the piano. Yeah, we need a little piano. It's whisper time. It's um, Augusta National Golf Club, the Masters. The azaleas are out. Uh, the azaleas are out. The umbrellas were out yesterday, and uh, we're supposed to get some wind this weekend, too. Uh, so we shall see how things unfold, and uh, nobody better to analyze it than um, two tour winners, both Canadians. Richard Zokel, Ian Leggett will join us to talk about Augusta after these messages. Well, for those of us in the uh, frozen north, if you will, um, it is the uh, first and most significant rite of spring. It is uh, the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, joining us to talk about it, Richard Zokel, Ian Leggett, from uh, west and south of uh, where we are. Um, The story... There, there are a million stories at the Masters every year, but but there is one story that is dominated, and it's the same kind of story uh, that we've been talking about for 20 years, 25 years at the Masters. I guess 25 exactly, okay. and that's Tiger Woods. And it appears as if he will play in this uh, championship. And the thing that, for those of us that have been to Augusta and seen it, and I, and I mention this almost every year, probably every year, is... If you have never been, you cannot imagine how hilly this golf course actually is. And that's got to be a real factor, Lego, in, in how Tiger holds up this week. Um, you know, give us your perspective of, of first time you went there. And were you shocked at the, at the, the, the hilliness of this place? Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, and Zoke can uh, sort of uh, speak to it as well. I think you don't even feel it when you come through the gate. It's it's not until you walk, you know, on the back end of the clubhouse that you realize what's out in front of you. Um, yeah, that, the, the two things that, you know, my first trip there was in 86 when Jack won. And I had to get down on my hands and knees to touch the turf to see if it was real or not. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one was just absolutely shocking um the enormity of that property um and the slope and uh i think that right now you know we've talked about tiger woods and his chase and his comparative career path to jack nicholas this one here is going to be compared to ben hogan mm-hmm. if he could win this golf tournament the stories of what Ben Hogan went through. Now, let's not even compare the two car accidents because, you know, Hogan almost lost both of the legs, never mind what he had to go to go through to get back to playing. And we talk about Tiger's dedication to what he's done to get back playing is minuscule from what I've read um, and spoke to a couple of people about what Hogan had to go through just to get on the golf course. So, um, but you're right, Bob, I think, Walking this golf course is a component of being able to compete here. There, there's, you know, the physic, physicality of someone getting around this golf course that potentially is limited physically is going to play its toll over four days. So we'll wait and see. This golf course is soft now as well. Um, so there's no doubt about it. And, you know, you watched, I watched a video of him walking up uh, to eight, nine green. And that's one of the steepest parts of the whole golf course, too it looked tiring. It looked, you know, he was smiling, but I think he wanted to grimace. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a component of him being able to compete this week that has equally as much physical as it does mental for Tiger to be able to play. Uh, Richard, we don't, we, uh, we, we're past a stage of underestimating what this guy is capable of doing. Um, so I'm not putting anything past him, but 
this is probably the most serious challenge he's he's had during his career. Like the the opportunity at age 40, what, five, six, six. Yeah. To to win this thing. I, I don't doubt that he still has the skill set. He knows the golf course as well or better than anybody else that's out there. He has a quarter of a century of experience. But he's got to walk this golf course and it's going to wear on him. What do you make his chances to be? Well, you're right. I think we all have learned to not bet against Tiger. Um, he's proven that time and again. Uh, I think he's the type that likes to keep um, most of his cards close to his chest and not disclose where he's at. I think he wouldn't be, you know, he talked openly in his press conference yesterday about his game is good enough. And we all um, can agree with that. And his weak link is walking. There's no doubt. And, and Legos bang on. When you first walk out on that property, the first thing you do is go, oh my God, you look down on the grass and you go, is this real? And you do have to get down and check it out. If, and then the second thing is the elevation changes through the golf course from the first tee, you walk down from the ninth, Lego was talking about walking up to the ninth green, huge elevation. Also down the 10th fairway, which is the same elevation change that hits the 18th hole as you're walking up. That's a massive elevation change going downhill on 10 and uphill on 18 as well. So we'll see. And, and you know, and I, I just don't think that Tiger's fully disclosed what, how, what a big a problem it is. I think it is his weakest link, as we mentioned, and how he has to recover on a daily basis. I think one, one round uh, walking 18 holes is going to be a challenge and 72 holes is going to be that much worse. I don't know if I'm wrong or right or wrong here, but um, based on what you guys have heard, I think he played nine holes Sunday, nine holes Monday, and will play nine holes today. That's right. Um, I guess that's not surprising for a guy who's played as many rounds as he has at this golf course. But you wonder, there's a big difference between playing nine and playing 18, isn't there? I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I think, though, I mean, I think we're not factoring something in here is uh, you're right. And by the way, that's his typical, very typical uh, major um, setup. He comes in early um, and will play 18 holes um, before the tournament, actually tournament week. So this is very common for Tiger to only play nine holes in a major uh, during the week because he's done so much preparation before that. Now let's talk about the preparation. Okay. Um, Tiger Woods is just like every other great player. Um, you know, Nicholas and, and Hogan alike didn't go into any tournament uh, unprepared. Um, so the amount of walking that he's talked about doing on beaches um, and treadmill work as well on, on slope. Um, so Tiger Woods didn't come here to, you know, play 36 holes and have dinner. Uh, he, he and hit a few balls on the range with his pals. He came here to compete. So the preparation got put in or he would not be here. Now, the question is the lack of preparation on the, on, on the component of competing is missing because he hasn't played a golf tournament since February of 2021. So um, but all the other pieces are there because I don't think Tiger Woods came here to embarrass himself by walking off the 11th hole because he can't make it around. Dick, they're making a lot of uh, noise about how wet the course will be early. How much of a factor is that in walking it for a guy like Tiger? Well, it makes it more um, problematic. I, uh, but keep in mind, you know, having bad weather at Augusta National during the Masters week is not unusual. It, it's happened time and time again. Right they have the ability to these sub air systems under the greens and, and their ability to drain. It was very firm and fast. The reports were you know, on Monday and, and Tuesday. And, um, you know, they just needed, you know, a couple of days of um, drainage and it's not going to be a problem, but you know, your feet get, your shoes get wet and it gets heavier walking. I was watching them walk down in the practice round with um, uh, Justin Thomas down the 10th hole and it's a pretty slippery slope. The fairways looked a little wet and it looked like he was walking down there quite gingerly and, and very cautiously. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to watch and see how this thing unfolds. Uh, but um, you know, it's going to be fascinating one way or the other. Have you seen, uh, 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 that was the night, the day he played with Freddie couples and, and JT. Uh, how many times have you seen a practice round with that type of gallery? Well, that's that's what he does. He 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 likes to be around his closest friends. It kind of gives him a little protection as well. 
um, uh, you know, you know, so he, it's his go-to practice round, uh, his relationship with Freddie and, and, uh, he's kind of like an older brother to Justin Thomas and Freddie's like an older brother to Tiger. So a lot of comfort in that grouping. One of the, um, uh, one of the things that we've, we've seen from Augusta for the last few years is they are constantly tinkering with the golf course itself. Yes. Um, it used to be called tiger proof it. Um, I don't think that it's that anymore, but the biggest change I guess is on 11, the par four, that's not quite a dog leg, right? But it, it moves a bit to the right and they've lengthened. They did three things really there. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yes. um, they moved the T box, yeah. um, to the left. So it's not up against the tree line. Um, they lengthened the hole by 20 yards and then they took out a bunch of pine trees on the right side, um, which now there's three pine trees still there, but um, it, it, my perception is they made the hole easier. Even though they made it longer, they actually made it easier. You guys have played. I've been there, but I haven't played the golf course. What do you think of those changes and why would they do those things? Lego to you first. I, I, think they, I think this is just what they always do. I mean, they're, they're trying to take a consistent annual venue of a major championship where the other ones are always moving around and they've got the ability to do that. Um, so from what I'm hearing from the players, they haven't actually made that hole any easier. <laughs> I think it's actually harder now. So, Why? Um, uh, well, number one, too, I think they've added a little slope on the left side. And guys are saying now that if you hit one down that you know sort of left uh, side of that fairway, that ball runs down into the rough area now. So that's one thing that that's caused a, a bit of an issue. So the other part is, um, again, I think that taking out some of those pine trees and widening down the right side with the length is offering the players a challenge. They're challenging you. Um, so instead of just punching one down there, now you're going to have more of an open shot. They're forcing you to play down the right side which makes it more appetizing uh, for to go at that flag or at more into the middle of that green where players often just play away from it. So I think it's a, I think it's a great move on their behalf. Now I'm not a big fan of lengthening it the way that they continue to do. And they've done on 15 as well, but um, I'm, you know, but to that point, I think that they, according to what the players are saying, that hole is actually harder than it was before. Richard. The other thing that I think they did under on uh, the 11th hole, Lego, <clears throat> they call it the, you know, do you remember where Larry Mize chipped in from off the green, off to the right yeah, side? Sure. Apparently they yes. had raised that edge a little yeah. bit more. So like if you're, if you're in the middle of the fairway, that, that, that second shot is so difficult. And Hogan used to talk about that. He hit, if he hit the green, that means he pulled it. And so it means everyone misses it to the right. So apparently they raise that level on the right side. So that chip, you're on the right side of the, the green and two, and you're chipping the back. The water is going to come into play because there's a more of a slope that goes down there. So that's going to increase the difficulty of the hole from, from around the green. And, uh, and, and in addition to what Lego said as well. Yeah. They also, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, for those people who can't visualize the hole, it's a par four slight dog leg to the right. And there's a pond on the front left, well, middle left of the, of the green, did they, did they actually move, um, adjust the size of the pond too? I think they did. I'm not, you know, as, it, as, as it, as the pond, um, got to the, the left side of the green, uh, I'm on, the, I've heard something that there's a little more slope that way, or they just opened up the, opened up the, the pond a little bit more, which, means they is it's a less flatter area which means there could be chip shots that could go into the pond if you're you know hitting a shot from the right of the green on your second shot on your third so shot it, Ian, why why would they continually adapt the golf course why not why not leave it the same it, has technology just changed golf that much i think so i mean but yeah, you know, and and only because they can <laughs> that's, yeah well that's the big one that's that's probably the biggest one is just because they can and you know what's interesting to me and and zoke zoke can uh speak to this as well as he and i talk a lot about golf course architect 
architecture, but whether you like the lengthening or not, or whether you, you know, hate the golf courses, you know, this now is over 7,500 yards. Um, but, um, it's amazing to me how they never make a mistake. They don't make a mistake. Like nobody's going to play that 11th hole and go, what the hell have you guys done? Nobody's going to do that. They never seem to make a mistake with all the tinkering, the bunker work, um, some of the re-designs uh, of the greens, new tee decks, stuff like that, moving trees around. They mm -hmm. seem to always get it right where they don't come back and go, hey, we made an error. We're going to fix it for next year. Um, it's just a constant um, you know, revamping of the current property that just seems to improve. The only issue I have is um, I just don't like the fact that it really is becoming more and more eliminating, um, everybody from the field. We right. So, um, so really you, you could pick, if you gave me 30 picks, I'm probably, you know, um, uh, going to pick, I'm going to pick the winner. Give me 30. I'll pick the winner. You know, mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it at a British open. You can give me 30 picks and I'm probably going to miss. There's a good yeah. chance I might miss. But, right? By the way, so, if, they, if they did make a mistake, would they admit it? <laughs> well, that's another well, one, I'll, but uh, I'll give no, you, a... you would hear about it. No, but you would hear about it, Shane. You would, you know, the players would, would come forward and let you know that they're, they, hey, this is too severe or, okay. you know, they're going to be polite about it, but you would hear about it. We never hear, there's never ever uh, a comment on behalf of the players of the changes they made were, were ridiculous or severe. No, they yeah. don't want to, they don't want to, don't want to offend the, um, the masters, the Augusta right. people. No, yes. you, know, you don't want to take any chances. There's a broadcaster who made that mistake several years ago and hasn't right. done a, 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 a CBS broadcast from there since. There's so, been a couple of broadcasters that have, that's have right. lost their job because of it. And yeah, this brings up a good question. No one does want to talk against it, because, against the, the sacredness of, of Augusta, which is a, a, a very sensitive issue. Like, Here's an example that happened last night. So the champion's dinner was on, the photos were sent out, and there was an omission of one person, and nobody is talking about this. Did you, uh, did let you, me guess. Did you notice let that? Me, let me guess. Mr. Mickelson. That's right. But nobody's yeah. talking about it. I mean, it's, 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 it's the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and no one dares talk about it, which is rather unfortunate. Well, I want to bring, let's go back to the Mickelson situation a little bit later. Um, one of the things, and you guys have alluded to this, uh, this is the only major that is played in the same venue all the time. Um, it is why we are so familiar as fans with this golf course. Uh, we've seen it every year for all our lives. Little changes don't mean much to us watching on television. But it is a golf course where experience is almost paramount almost critical i want to say the last guy to win the masters on his first trip there was fuzzy zeller yep uh i think that's right yeah Dick. 79 yep. yeah which tells you something doesn't it i mean you know you, you got to be a good player to get to the masters you basically have an elite field a smaller field than a regular tour event but they're all great players they're all capable but you got to know your way around. You There's a huge, mistakes. there is a huge learning curve in figuring out those greens. I mean, I, I still, you know, like, like standing on the second shot on the 13th hole, the par five on the side hill with a three iron in my hand. And I remember standing there and going, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe how difficult this shot is and who would take on this shot. I couldn't. And then being on these greens, and again, staying on the 13th hole, how, that, how the putts break, it just defies your eyes. And if there's a massive learning curve that uh, you only can learn from experience. Did you hit wedge wedge then? Well, first of all, when, when I played it in 93, I, it, it was so long. It was so wet and cold. Man, I, I remember hitting three iron into 17. That's how cold it was. And there was no chance. It was just frigid and, and, and wet and long and uh, in 93 and, and, you know, I couldn't even think about getting to 13 and two at the time. It was just a, it was a freakishly, the, the weather was so poor that uh, it was very abnormal. Is there, is there any way to describe these greens, Ian? I mean, I mean, people talk about putting on linoleum. I mean, is, is it close? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I even from a speed perspective, but I think you know the the design of this golf course is there's parts of this of uh, the course, and this is why I'm I'm such a huge Alistair McKenzie fan. Just because it's green doesn't mean it needs to be playable. Um, right. And there, even though, like a perfect example is the fifth green there. That fifth green is really Crazy. only you know twenty ste- steps deep. You know, you look at it on a um, you know, when you get your green chart, I don't know, what is that green? Probably 55 yards deep or something. Uh, so um, with that, I think that, you know, that, that's a tiny, tiny green um, from a playability standpoint. It's enormous when you look at it. Right. Um, so that's the big part of it. I think, though, you know, going back to that point of a first-time winner, I think the documentation of the golf course, uh, the amount we see it now, um, that uh, there's so much, there's so much information out there, the more prepared that these young guys are now, um, I think it's inevitable that we're going to see, you know, m- more and more, not that it's going to happen more and more, but I think it's inevitable over the next say 25, 30, 40 years, we're going to see more first time winners around there just because, you know, in 79, you know, if you played uh, in your first Masters in 79, Fuzzy Zeller went there with zero knowledge. Zero. Right. You know, <laughs> there, you know what you probably got to watch the last four, four holes on TV or whatever it was. And the information he maybe gathered were people that he had played with before. Yardage books weren't so detailed. The information wasn't out there. Um, so I, I think it's inevitable we, we, we could see more first-time winners in the future. Well, that may be true, but we haven't had one in 45 years almost, you know? So, I mean, there hasn't been a run of, since the Til this year became better. Till this year. <laughs> oh, well, well, we'll see. And who might that be? <laughs> oh, you know, we're going to give Ian 30 names. He's going to pick the winner. We I'm already heard one. that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, there might be a first time one in there. <laughs> Is there any, we, I, I find it endearing that we, you know, that, you know, first week of April, I can, I can go back and see the Augusta national golf club and this major championship. As I said before, unlike all the others, it's the only one played at the same place every year. Do you like that? Is that, is that the right answer? And not because it's the masters or maybe it's the right answer simply because this is such a great golf course. Where, where do you sit on that? Dick? I like it. I think the I think the global world of golf likes it. it we it's mm-hmm. become a tradition. It's you know as you opened up the show, Bob. It's uh, spring. You know the, the golf season, spring passage into the season. Uh, the everything's everything. The, the golf world is getting excited about golf, and when the Masters is on, and the amount of attention this is getting, it just it's such a positive stimulation for the game. So um, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, Leggett, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I, I, I just think that the commonality, the knowledge of the fans, um, and, and, you know, I, I think if you're you know, a hardcore golf fan, you never have to set foot on there. You could probably run through every single hole and you could mm-hmm. tell me, you know, what the par is. Right. So, um, and no other place is like that. I mean, I don't, you know, I'd have to really think hard about St. Andrews, for instance, and think about going through one through 18 of, of what, what par every hole is, but I can rattle off Augusta national left, right and center. And I think, um, you know, it, just every golf fan can do the exact same thing. So I think they love, I love the commonality of it. Um, I love that, you also have knowledge of um, what potentially could happen and lurks on every single corner of that golf course. So I, I don't think we're going to have the feel that we want when someone steps to the tee on the 11th hole on Sunday afternoon, what what's in store till they get to 18. Um, I love the drama that it creates uh, because of that. And I think everybody feels the same way. Well, there's a, the fascination is in 2022, we're, we, we now live in a world that is supposed to be much more <laughs> inclusive. And yet the golf season really starts in one of the most exclusive places in the world. And it's not that we turn a blind eye to it, but it is just such a special place. We're prepared to just take four days and enjoy it rather than worry about other issues when it comes to growing the game. 
because this tournament is great as a fan if you're a long-term golfer, but I'm not sure it grows the game, are you? No, absolutely it does. And I, I think Augusta National's done an amazing job at that. And, you know, I know Zoke wanted to, you know, kind of touch on that a little bit, but let's just think it wasn't that long ago that this, the history of Augusta National was, was very, very um, racist. Let's just call it, it what tainted. it is. Sure. It was you tainted. Know, yeah. um, and I, I think, you know, it, it's not really a situation you, you want to go at a hundred miles an hour. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it, it, you know, when you say it's not, it's an, it's not an inclusive club. It is an, it is inclusive now. It might not be to the gravity we all want it to be or see it. Um, but it is, you know, compared okay. to 20 years ago. So, um, I think the steps they're taking to grow the game, I mean, the, the, the drive chip and putt has become a junior major, <laughs> right? So, um, I mean, I got kids, you know, at, uh, you know, up at St. George's and at Summit that aspire to go to Augusta National as a little girl or a little boy. So I, I love the idea that, you know, when you look at those kids that won and you look down the line and, you know, male, female, black, white, you know, uh, Indian, it's, it's all over the place. And I think that's fantastic for the game and the future of the game. Um, where they go with this, I, I don't know. But I, at least they're making an attempt which is better than I can say for a number of facilities around the world. So, well, and notably, they also have a ladies amateur event, right? That, that plays absolutely one yep. day. There. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, and that's, you know, that's another significant step that they've taken. So I, I agree with you. It, it was okay. Hold, hold. Can I, okay. can I be a bit yeah. of a disruptor on this? <laughs> yeah. Excuse I'm shocked. Me, Go ahead. Me. I know you tried to <laughs> slow, slam the door on him there, Bob, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if I, if I may, I think there's still a lot of hair on the deal of as it relates to Augusta National and, you know, they have, uh, and, and I really think they should come clean and square up the deal and make amends to it. Uh, all we got to do is look back at last week where, where Christina Kim playing her final round at Mission Hills um, in the desert on the women's first major championship. And her quote is, I think it's absolutely disgusting what they're doing, and I have no problem saying it. He's, she says, it's bull hockey what they're doing and what she's referring to is Augusta national bringing in and good for them for bringing in, um, you know, the Augusta national women's amateur, but at the cost and at the peril of the LPGA's first major championship. Now, wouldn't it be nice and absolutely like, you know, the, the drive chip and putt, that's fantastic. Love it. But why wouldn't they in, you know, if they're going to make that move and push their weight around and be bullies in the room and, and not care what happens to the LPGA. You know, sure, let's let's get the Augusta National Women's Amateur the week before the Masters, but how about creating the week after the Masters, the Women's Masters? And really, instead of taking, you know, hurting them with a step backwards, but make three steps forward. I think it would be something pretty fantastic if, if they can do, but they've got to get away from this post-modern accusations of this hair on the deal from their previous origin founders. Uh, they, they've got to come square with that if they want to be, um, you know, fully accepted as, uh, as an exclusive private golf club. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know a hundred percent that's I mean coming forward and admitting your indiscretions of the past is one thing. Having the Augusta national women's amateur up against a women's major when all they talked about, by the way, on that broadcast, was Jennifer Cupco playing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur mm. and now being a major winner. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure if there's a right or wrong answer to that. I, but, you know, I think the problem is, is that people don't watch women's golf. Number one, let's just talk, like, I mean, we can talk about the gorilla in the room. People right. do, are not interested in watching women's golf. Now, I don't have an answer to that either right now, but let's talk about figuring that one out. So... Well, the um, thing is, if, if they're going to watch, you know, the, you're absolutely correct. The, the numbers that, of people who watch golf, women's golf, is what it is. But at the same time, I, I just don't like the actions of being pushing your weight around and just kind of saying, this is what we're going to do. And, and, and uh, not answering the, the, the cost on the side 
as it relates to the LPGA Tour. That's just rather unfortunate. Well, we got to take a break here, but I, I'd like to see them uh, do a, an LPGA Tour event. I think that would be. Well, no, well, just a minute, Bob. But I'd like to see it let's, in let's September. Re- let, let, let's remember, this isn't a PGA Tour event. On no, the no, I get it. I get it. So, so, so it won't be an LPGA. T- I, you know what I mean. Right. I want yeah. the, the women. You want a women's professional tournament uh, at Augusta National. If the ladies want it, and I would assume they would, and I would have it in September okay. when the course reopens. Uh, we got to take the break. We're going to talk about some specifics and pick some winners, we think, uh, when we come back after <laughs> these messages. Uh, McCown, Shannon, Leggett, Zokel. Uh, he is looking for um, the Grand Slam and has been unable to achieve it because he hasn't been able to win uh, at this place. Um, is Roy McElroy's game ready for this? Dick? I think his game has always been ready. The question is, is his mind ready? I think that his biggest problem that he's dealing with is this expectation, not only his, but the world's. They keep asking him questions because of this missing piece of, the, of winning the Masters to get the Grand Slam. Brad Faxon, Faxon is working with him. He's just brought on Bob Rotella and I think on it, and, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a mental construct in his mind that's getting in the way. Rory is always talking about how he doesn't want the, his performance to dictate who his identity is. So he's obviously been struggling. I've had a strong eye on him for the past few years. And his expectations and that mindset that he has, he just hasn't been able to connect it to get on the other side where there's zero expectations and fully focusing on his ability to execute shots that he talked about openly. Uh, and I had mentioned to in John Huggins' article on, on Twitter that uh, it's not just about executions. He has to assess as well as execute if he's expecting to perform. Ian? Yeah, I'm just waiting. You know, if you look at, you know, Rory McIlroy's career and the ebbs and flows, he's had, he's had lots of down moments in his career where he really is a, a B player on the PGA Tour. And then he goes in these runs for, you know, eight to 10 to 12 weeks where he just absolutely dominates. And um, he hasn't had one of those in a long time. You know, I've been waiting for that moment. And the longer that goes, as Oak says, there's more doubt. The doubt starts to creep in and you, um, you know, in your mind become less and less uh, irrelevant or more and more irrelevant. But I think that for Rory McIlroy, he needs to um, get that intensity back. I think uh, I love, I like the intense Rory McIlroy myself. Um, I don't see that lately. Um, And I, I think he's playing it off as I've got other things in my life that are more important to me. And uh, I, I don't mean that lightly in playing it off because the things that are going on in his life should be more important to him. Uh, raising a child, um, it, it should be more important than the game of golf. But I think in this factor, I just don't see the intensity in him, the want and the hunger that I used to look at when I uh, looked in his eyes. But I think right now, this is a, a, a time where he isn't seeing the results to bring that, to turn that light back on. Um, right now, you know, Zoke and I have talked a lot about this in the past. The physical and the mental aren't matching up right now. Right. Um, you know, physically, there's no doubt about it. He stands up there. He swings at it beautifully. Um, all the components are there. He chips the ball beautifully. Does He has all of the pieces that need to be put together to win at Augusta National, win anywhere for that matter. But the mental piece is not aligning with the physical right now. And that's just a light switch, really, in, in the way that Rory McIlroy plays the game. He needs that switch to go off. And if it goes off, it's over. I mean, because there's no doubt about it in my mind that between Dustin Johnson and, and Rory McIlroy, when the switch is on, they're the best players in the world, period. Right. How much of an advantage is it that DJ's won? Um, well, I mean, uh, that's always, a, a, you know, winning is everything uh, when it comes to uh, confidence and then having that past experience of knowing that you got it across the line, especially at right. this place where, you know, when you're talking about players of that quality that have, you know, required resumes that need this on them, 
Um, you know, I, I think that uh, when you've got one of them across the line already, um, that's a huge advantage. Um, the difference between Rory and DJ is DJ really doesn't care. So if he wins, if he wins this week, or yeah, if he does, wins this week, or he doesn't make the cut, it's all the same to him. <laughs> so, so the, the the classic case of keeping the mind open is uh, is to an advantage to Dustin. Is that what you're saying? Or, or turning it off? Yeah. Or turning yeah. it off? Right? Yeah. Turning if, it off. Yes. If I can get back to Rory, his statistics on his rounds uh, they showed it on the Golf Channel. His first round scoring average horrible, is awful, just awful. awful. Yeah. Second round, third round, fourth, very good. So obviously that. There's something in his mind that in, in all likelihood, it's his expectations. When you push yourself to, to perform in golf, that's when you, when you get offside. You, yeah. you, you don't have a proper mindset. He's, he let, then once he establishes a bad, <clears throat> excuse me, a bad round, then he's free to play well. And that's why he plays well in the second round, third round, and yeah. the fourth round. We saw this. But he's, yeah. he's got to get to that point where he's freed up at the on Thursdays on the first round of the tournament. Well, we saw that too, Zoke at, at Port Rush. I mean, you saw the, right. the, the exactly. how he had himself so bound up exactly. and uh, you know, and just absolutely, you know, played like the Sea Flight Club Championship first round. And then yes. he was free and he played right. amazing after that. Too and unfortunately it was too late. Those are expectations that is a deal killer when you're trying to perform yeah. In golf. Yeah. Well, so I think you, we're all going to watch. You... Sorry, John. Uh, we're all going to watch one, two, and three. Yeah. Because that's where Rory has had real problems as a beginning of, of his round on Thursday, especially. Yeah. I don't know how many over par he is on the first three holes, but a bunch on Thursdays. And if he play, if he can get through the first three holes without being, you know, plus one, plus five, you know, maybe, maybe. So, I, I'm curious then how, uh, you think of the mindset of a guy like John Rahm, who is ultra competitive, Richard, how does it fit with this golf course? Well, I think Rahm's and every person is a different individual. And, 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 you know, everyone, when you look at, we use this example of Dustin Johnson, he inherently stays in the present moment. He, it, he doesn't get bothered when he missed that little putt in, in, in Seattle for the U S open. He was with, Wayne and, and his family and everyone was down. He wasn't. Mm. So Rom in this situation is starting to show some frustration because he's getting a little short tempered with the, with the questions from the media that's showing his, his poor putting statistics and he doesn't like it. So everyone triggers differently. Rom has got a short fuse. He's gained some great uh, progress with his mindset, but we're watching him fall back into it if things aren't going his way. And that's a, the common problem. We want it badly. Rory wants his. Ron, Rom wants his. And, um, and, and, and they're, everyone is bound to their limitations of where their mind is at. And the, old, the, the only thing everyone needs to do is try and get free up from the, the challenges of their own mind. And it starts with stopping with these own, your own expectations. And, and it's important to get that done. So I think that... Um, the person with the freest mind and, and uh, who has the, you know, my pick, well, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens to Rom because he's, he's showing frustration. I think that's concerning. Well, Rom is the bet. It was the betting favorite. I don't know whether he still is, but he was, I think yesterday or the day before I took a look. Um, well, let's talk about the hottest guy on the tour. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Scotty Scheffler. I knew you're. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, Luke Donald? By the way, Ian's the president of the Scotty Scheffler fan club, isn't he? I just, I, I, I don't. Hey, I like, I like Scotty Scheffler. I just, I just, I find it. You know, it's interesting. You know, this is this is going to be, and I, I know Zoke is going to be wa liking watching how this thing unfolds because I am. Here's a 25 year old guy who. In the entire world, everybody is going, never mind who's Scotty Scheffler, how the hell did this guy get to world number one? Um, and I want to see uh, a guy like him because it didn't happen the last time. It hasn't happened, actually. When you look at the past, say, 20 years of guys that became world number one without major recognition, okay? Right. We talk about Luke Donald. We talk about Lee Westwood. 
Um, and now we're talking about Scotty Scheffler. These guys did not win major championships, and everybody thinks that that should be a component of being recognized as world number one. Nobody in the world, including Scotty Scheffler, is going to think that he is actually should be world number one ahead John Rom, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, any of those guys. So um, in that fact, I want to see if this guy's got a chip on his shoulder. I want to see if he's got the ability to go out there. He doesn't have to win this week. I just want to see him compete. I want to see him have an opportunity to win and let the world know, okay, I got given this based on the last performance over the last six months, but I am world number one. I want to see if he's got the, the ability to, like I said, have a chip on his shoulder and take it out there and show people he's got some game because Scotty Scheffler had a lot of issues finally getting it across the line. Now he's got it across the line. And that light that I talked about that turned on, I think it's on. So I just, I would love to see this guy, you know, take this world number one unrecognized um, player that's really out there on the tour and take it and show everybody he's world number one, because I, I think the, I think the rivalry that Scotty Scheffler could actually bring to the PJ tour is needed. So Cole, what do you think of Scheffler now that um, um, our friend has slagged the hell out of him? There was a little <laughs> Mia culpa there. There's a little Mia culpa in leg it there. Don't you think? I, I like, I, hey, I'm, I like Scotty Scheffler. I think he's got uh-huh. an He's a nice guy, but is he, is, is, you don't seem to think he's worthy of being number one. And I'm not disagreeing with you. It's been a very unspectacular rise. Ian's Re-rack points. the tape from our Ryder Cup show. Re-rack the tape from our Ryder Cup show. Who the heck is Scotty Scheffler? Ian's points are are good. It's true. Uh, I I agree with it. Um, but I do think that Scotty Scheffler. I was. I just love to watch people's body language because I think it's an echo of what's really going on inside their mind, and particularly to see if they're comfortable in the white hot spotlight. And listening to Scotty Scheffler talk to the panel who who on the Golf Channel who asked him, him that those exact questions and then watching him react. I was very impressed with his reaction. Mm-hmm. I think he's not getting ahead of himself. You think you're bang on Lego when he doesn't think that he's world number one, even though the, this process or the system says he is, I think he does it with, you know, it takes it with a grain of salt, which was very important because if he actually started to think he was world number one to your point, then I think, okay, this guy's really offside. But I, I like his game. I don't think he's going to back down. I think he will get into contention this week, as you said, Lego. Uh, and uh, we'll see what he we, see what he um, what he gets. Uh, you know, how, if he can win at this next level. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. But uh, I, I I like your points. The, the other thing too here is you got to remember something is you know when we play professional sports and we we dream of getting on the PGA Tour, the NHL, or wherever it may be. Um, I don't know what it, what, you know, his thought process or his dreams, um, were about playing, but you know, Scotty Scheffler was never, ever prepared to be world number one. He is, you know, in, in a bit of a world of hurt right now. So, um, that's another thing, you know, and, and, you know, I can explain that to you in, in, in a little bit more detail because when I got on the PGA tour, I never, ever dreamed of playing on the PGA tour. I dreamed of winning. And then I won and I went, now what? Yeah, now, unfortunately, yeah. I didn't have somebody going along the way yeah. that actually said you should be, you know, because Tiger Woods didn't dream of winning, you know, 10 or 12, 13 majors. He, he's dreaming of winning 18. Right. So right. that's his goal or 19. So I think that that's the number. So Scotty Scheffler was never prepared to be world number one. He's probably not going to be. That's what I was looking. That's what I was looking for. You know, I think you're right. I was the same way. Lego. Once I won on the PGA Tour, I went okay. I never thought about winning a major. It just wasn't part of my makeup. And I wish I, you know, I'd like to go back and change that. But exactly, Scotty doesn't seem uncomfortable. Like if when if I was put in that position and they asked me that, I'd be like a deer, you know, in the headlights, caught like, oh, now what do I do? And kind of, you know, not ready for the situation. I, when I look at Scotty Scheffler right now, he looks to me like he's ready for the situation. Yep. I can, I we'll agree. have to wait and see if he, if he, if he does. Well, we'll find out. I think. He's what a- about the Canadians, guys? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, let me jump in there. Corey Connors, I think he is speaking for himself. His, he, his ascent is just continually rising. 
the more comfortable he could have won that match play world golf championship sure. very oh, yeah. easily just with a very bouncer easily. to his way and that's yeah. what it takes to win uh i which gets him to the next level of comfort and now if he gets himself into contention there's no guarantees he's going to win but what is guaranteed is his level of comfort and when his level of comfort is there his putting's going to um, uh, be solid as it as it it's he's a strong putter don't don't think he's a weak putter and uh, and I think his chances of winning a major are just going to continually to improve his confidence level is if you look at the way that he stands up and hits a hit, hits a driver or an iron shot and you look at it when he gets his putter in his hand he's got to start lining those two up because they don't look the same you know, the way that he putts looks the same, which I like in the technique of it. Um, but the other part of it, he, you know, sometimes takes a little bit longer. When he pulls a seven iron out of the bag, he knows it's a seven iron. He's completely focused. He's, he's committed. When I see him grab a putter, there's, a, there's often a lack of commitment and a little bit, it's a little bit wishy-washy. But, um, you know, the thing with Corey Connors is, is, is going back to that match play. And, and Zoke can allude to this as well. When you don't win a golf tournament and you look back on it and go, damn, I should have won that. Mm -hmm. There's one or two or things I could have done. But if you don't win the golf tournament and go, that guy just whipped my ass, there's a different mindset. And yeah. I think Corey Connors has gone through the first, uh, you know, a number of times where he's reflected back on it and gone, I can win. I, I should have won that golf tournament. And that's happened a few times. And I right. talked to him after last year's Masters and he thought he should have won it. So when you look at that, there's, there's always that confidence that comes out of that where he didn't go out there and shoot 79 in the last round and go, I was, I was way out of my comfort zone. He finished that golf tournament and he's done that a number of times going, I should have won that one. So, and that, that only makes you a better player. Uh, we got to, we are, we're getting a little tight for time. So we want to, we want you guys to pick a winner here. Um, this is the most ridiculous, useless, fruitless <laughs> exercise in the history of Why man. Do it? Um, in a team sport, you got a 50, 50 shot. You can look like a, an idiot or you can look like a look brilliant without being brilliant. This is just a ridiculous exercise, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, less than 60 seconds each. Um, Lego to you first. Who wins? I only get one. You get one. One. Okay, I'm. I'm what taking do you want? my ninety-two. <laughs> I thought I was getting thirty. You want the whole field? <laughs> How about two? How about um, I'm, I'm favorite in the 19, dark horse? I'm taking nineteen seventy-nine, and I'm going to take Sam Burns as my pick. Wow, that is going yep. out on a limb. Wow, yes. Lego. Well, you and, might as well. And, yeah, and my uh, yeah, might as well, right? Like yeah. I can only. Uh, hey, by the way, I'm just going to be wrong, just like the three of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you probably. Did, yeah. Well, who's your B player? Dark my horse. B player, my B player, which I, I I like, and my concern is the pairing that he got, but I, I like Joachim Neiman as well. I think he's got the kind of game that can can win around there. Incredible putter, great short game. Um, going out with Tiger Woods, he. You know, even though he dominated the field at Riviera, which uh, is a great ball striking golf course as well. I, I just and, you know, I, I like him as well as my, you know, it's a bit of a stretch on a dark horse. People might not think he's a dark horse, but um, I'm going to take him. Zokal? I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. <clears throat> I think he's got the physical game, the, the ball flight. Um, I think he's going to draft. Uh, he's kind of been under the radar recently. And um, I think he's ready to do it. And I'm going to take Corey Connors as a dark horse. And I, my oh, dark horse is a guy who has not won a major or um, kind of still kind of underlying. But I think, I think Corey Connors as a dark horse is a wonderful pick. Okay. Shannon, Just before we go, I'm not, I'm not making a pick. I'm not making a pick. But I'm going to take my time. Tiger plays on the weekend, yes or no, Dick? Um, I'm going to go yes. I, will, I don't bet against him. Ian? Absolutely. <laughs> Once again, it's not going to be a problem if we're wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and, and to that end, I'm going to go back to what we've said throughout this show when we talked about Tiger and, and reiterated there. To bet against him is ridiculous, so I won't. I'll take Tiger. And, and do I think it's likely to happen? No, probably not. But it would be, it would be something, wouldn't it? 
wouldn't it? Um, your pick, Bob. Who is who's going to? You, sorry, did you say Tiger's going to win tiger. the tournament? I picked oh. Tiger. Got it. Wow. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to bet right. against him. And, I hope and, you're right. I hope you're right. Else. Listen, yeah. 1986, Ian's first Masters. How old was Jack? 46. 46. 46. How old is Tiger? 46. 46. Yeah. It'd be something, wouldn't it? The star is uh, aligned. Boys, we got to go. It's always a pleasure. Enjoy the weekend. We know you well. We will too. And uh, we'll talk to you not too far down the line. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, boys. Cheers. Vocal. Thank leg it. We'll come back with more after this. Uh, we are back. It's McCowan. It's Shannon. Our thanks to uh, Richard Zokel, Ian Leggett, for being with us. Um, always uh, insightful. You didn't, by the way, you the didn't ch- make a pick, I, by the way. No, I didn't. Because, um, I, I, I mean, I just think that I mean, it's in, impossible to do. I, I mean, well, Of I, course it, it is. Dustin Johnson. You're going with Dustin DJ. Johnson. Yeah. The, um, uh, but I, I couldn't help but think yesterday when, when Tiger announced that he was probably going to tee off at 1034 on Thursday. Um, the cheer I heard was all the way from Madison Avenue in New York City at CBS <laughs> and ESPN because uh, they guaranteed themselves two great days of ratings for sure. Uh, with Tiger Woods at the golf course. It's going to be fantastic. <clears throat> well, and there'll be uh, 50 or 60, 70, 80 pl- other players on the golf course at the same time, but don't worry, you won't miss a single shot that Tiger takes. No, but I tell you what, this is where the, this is where the Masters uh, have been ahead of the curve. If you go to masters.org, you, you can follow. You can watch anybody. whatever you want, yeah. You, and it, the, the, the online version of this tournament is, abs- as the British Open, or sorry, the Open, it, Open Championship is, the online version now is, to me, much more entertaining. And if you're a pure golf fan, to, to enjoy what's, what's going on on the course. Well, you get to watch whoever you want, right? Yeah, And you can, exactly. you can watch virtually every shot that they hit. Yeah. Um, we got to get out of here. Uh, we thank you for uh, watching or listening, as the case may be. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan, we'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.